welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hello, The Well. Uh, my name is David Al. I am the Vonsite Pastor, and I am also the Communications Director here at The Well. And it's so good that you're tuning in right now. Uh, I just want to, before I start, I just want to get a couple of things out of the way. Like, for example, this thing, this beautiful artwork that's right behind me, you might be wondering what it was for. And it's actually for the day camp that happened uh, this, this past week. And um, yeah, kids have been signing on and having a good time there on, on Zoom. And so uh, it is when a, a time where a lot of our, our volunteers and staff uh, poured in their hearts and their souls into it. And I'm just so thankful for them as well. So I just wanted to let you know what's going on here before I begin here. So um, we are uh, in the middle of a series called The Secret of Greatness, uh, Faith Stories That Change the world. Over the past couple of weeks, you have heard inspiring stories, and um, today I'm going to share one with you. But before that, I want to play a game with you, and the name of the game is called uh, Name That Wall, okay? I will give you a series of images of famous wall in the world, famous walls in the world. So your job is to name it, okay? If you have someone right beside you you're watching with, uh, call out that name, okay? So you're ready, let's go. First one, right here. This should be quite simple. This is the Great Wall of China. And the Great Wall of China is so long, they say that from outer space, they actually see it like a ribbon wrapping around parts of the world. All right, so uh, next one up. This one is a little harder. Do you know what this wall is? This is the Wailing Wall, like crying out loud, or also known as the Western Wall in Jerusalem, Israel. And for many, many years, people all, all around the world has been coming to this wall to cry their hearts out, to pray as a way of coming close to God, uh, something really beautiful. So next up, I hope you're ready. This one's for the kids. All right. So what is this wall? Well, I don't know if there's a name to this wall. The wall Humpty Dumpty sat on. All right. I hope you had fun with that one. All right. This one might be a little harder as well. Look at this one right here. Do you know where this is from? This wall is called the Chewing Gum Wall in Seattle. And from afar... This actually looks quite beautiful as a piece of art, but from up close, in my mind, when I see the pieces of chewing gum stuck on a wall, it's actually pretty uh, gross. <laughs> but it's one of the famous walls. All right, one last one. You know this wall? Some graffiti on it. This wall is called the Wall of Berlin in Germany that once divided East Germany and West Germany. They were two countries. 30 years ago, it came down and two countries came back into one as Germany that we know of. Now, um, I hope that you can see that uh, through all the images that walls have been around for so many years and they have many uses. 
Some of, some of the walls are kind of decorative. They're beautiful. You put paintings and photos on it. Walls also keep us protected. The place that I'm standing in right now has walls around me. I'm guessing that you have walls around you right now as well. Keeps you kind of cool in the summer if you have air conditioning, right? Traps the, 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 the cool air. And it also traps heat during winter as well. Walls are extremely useful. And in the ancient times, they used to build walls to keep the enemies out. And they would put soldiers along the walls to keep watch over the wall and also the city so that it's safe. Um, but, you know, today we're not going to talk about how helpful and useful walls are. We're going to talk about a kind of wall that is extremely destructive, that needs to be taken down, and uh, that shouldn't even uh, exist. And you, if you just don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about this, these walls that keep people apart, keep people away from entering into a community. There is uh, often an invisible wall between us and other people, Walls that are put up because of hatred, because simply because one group of people hate another group of people and they put up walls so that they never have to talk to each other. They don't need to know the, st the stories of each other. They don't need to know where each other are coming from. There's no co conversation at all. I'm talking about these walls that keep people out. And for centuries, um, there is a, th these walls, for example, a wall we, we know is racism. Based on the color of your skin, people are being kept out. Now, uh, as we unfold, uh, you will understand the destructiveness of, of these walls. And how are these walls built? Sometimes we argue when there's no, not a whole lot of love shown or a whole lot of forgiveness shown, uh, walls are being built. Or we get mad at someone or we hold grudges towards someone. That's when uh, walls get built. And the famous uh, wall artist, Banksy, if you know his, his work, uh, this is one of his famous work, There's Always Hope. Um, he said this, a wall is a very big weapon. It's one of the nastiest things you can hit someone with. Now, that's a great quote because I never thought of a, a wall as, someone, as something, a weapon to hit someone with. You, you can't really pick up a wall and hit someone with it, but you can simply keep people out by raising and building a wall. And that is a, the, one of the nastiest things you can hit. When, when, when you talk to someone and that person ignores you, what do we call it? We call it stonewalling. Oh, I just got stonewalled. That person stonewalled me. Now, let's pause for a minute. I want you to think about your own experiences. Um, in the past, have you ever felt unaccepted or excluded, like you're standing outside of a wall, uh, looking, kind of peeking through and, and wanting to enter into something that is good, but you're kept out? Uh, what was your experience like? Just think about that for a minute. For myself, um, I come from, I am an immigrant. Uh, my mom and dad immigrated to Toronto from Hong Kong uh, when I was 11. So what that means is simply this, that I spent the first 11 years of my life in Hong Kong. And you know, when you're young, what do you do? You play video games, you watch cartoons, you listen to music. All of that has a strong Chinese and Asian influence. Like, 
it's not a big deal today that kids love Japanese manga or comics or animation, right? Back in the day, that, I was soaking up all of those things. So you can imagine, uh, as, so, as an immigrant, 11 years old, with my parents and my two younger brothers, coming to Toronto here, landing in a foreign place, uh, the amount of cultural shock. Because back then, long time ago, <laughs> no one has heard of anything like Japanese comics, at least not my peers. So I remember when I went to school uh, that there was this, this, this particular kid that would come around me, and I'm, we're, not we're not really friends, I, I know his name, but he would come around me and he would make all these sounds as if he was speaking in Cantonese. Now, this is not a Chinese person. I'm pretty sure he doesn't know Cantonese. Um, and he would come along and do that and make sounds around me. And that made me feel extremely uncomfortable. I didn't know how to articulate it back then, but I, felt, I often felt lonely. And I felt like, okay, so if this person keeps on doing that to me, then maybe this particular group, people that look like him, act like him, maybe that group doesn't really welcome me at all. That was the, the idea that I got from, from that. And so um, that made me feel very, very excluded. Now, what about your story? I know that you might not be an immigrant, maybe you were born here, but I'm sure you have your own stories to tell of exclusion, of being kept away from something or a group of people that you really want to be part of. Um, and here comes the story today that I want to share with you. And this story is about a baseball player, an amazing athlete. Um, I'll tell you his name a little bit later. He uh, played professionally in MLB, which stands for Major League Baseball. I want to show you uh, some of his, the awards and honors that he has. So um, let's see, MLB stands for Major League Baseball. He was the Rookie of the Year. Now, you can tell this happened 60, 70 years ago in 1947, so it's a while back ago. He is a six-time All-Star. Uh, he is a two-time National League stolen base leader. And uh, he's a National League batting champion, National League MVP. Eventually, he took and helped his team uh, won the World Series, so he's a champion. And the entire MLB, the Major League Baseball, decided later on to retire the number that he wore, which was number 42. Major League Baseball, uh, all-century team, is about the past 100 years, top 100 athlete. He was voted in among the 100. So this is an amazing athlete. And uh, let me tell you his name. His name is Jackie Robinson. Uh, he played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Today, we know that team as the LA Dodgers. Jackie Robinson is the first black person to play in Major League Baseball. Um, I want to continue to tell you how good he is. <laughs> uh, in his first year of university in the University of California, Los Angeles, during his first year, he actually played not just one sport, not just baseball, but three other sports on, on the school team basketball, track and field, and football. Uh, if you search up NBA.com, Jackie Robinson, there are professional basketball players talking about how good Jackie Robinson was as a basketball player. That is amazing. Uh, 
But I can also tell you there was one big problem. The problem was that back then, 60, 70 years ago, black players do not play with white players. Yes, you heard me right. Black players do not play with white players. And that is not because black uh, players, black people don't want to play with white, white folks, but white, it's actually white people back in the day refuses to play with black players, refusing to allow them to be in, in, in the team or in the competition. It is really hard for us to imagine that it actually happened, but it did. Can you imagine someone as good as Jackie Robinson not being able to play in a bigger stage with everyone? That he had to play in a different league, not the, not the major, league base, uh, major League Baseball, but it's the Negro League. Negro, the word stands for black. The Black League, where it's all black players. Can you imagine, if you're into the NBA, can you imagine a great player like LeBron James playing in a different league? not the best league in the world, not the NBA. Uh, and it's not because he's not good enough, but because simply because of the color of his skin is different. That is unimaginable for us today, but it did happen. So there was this color barrier that exists between black players and white, white players. And, and uh, eventually, Jackie Robinson made his way into, the, into MLB. Uh, you would have thought that once he arrived at Major League Baseball, every, every problem has been solved or is solved, um, but that's not the case. In fact, a month into his MLB season in 1947, Jackie Robinson received two death threats, two letters claiming that if Jackie Robinson continues to play in the league, him and his wife will be killed, will be hurt. Now, fortunately, they were unharmed. They never found out who wrote the letters, um, but you can imagine if you receive a death threat like that, that the emotional turmoil that you would go through, right? And not only fans were, were against him, uh, even uh, coaches and players on the opposing team would oppose him as well. And uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, one of the games that he played, uh, he remembered vividly, even news report would say that as Jackie Robinson stepped up to, to the plate and to actually play the game, uh, coaches and opposing players would yell at him, go back to where you come from. Go back to where you came from. Just go back. We don't want you here. And this wasn't just one game. It was over and over and over again that Jackie Robinson knows that he probably isn't welcome there. Not only that, um, his own teammates circulated a letter uh, to the coach and to the general manager demanding that Jackie Robinson be removed because they don't want to play with him. So as you can see, Jackie Robinson is no stranger to walls. All his life, he has been facing walls one after another. And like many fellow black people, his fellow black people, Jackie Robinson was really up against racial abuse. And so what would you do? What would you do if you were Jackie Robinson? Would you punch the people that actually racial, uh, that are yelling racial slurs at you? Would you 
kind of just swallow the whole thing and say, you know, nothing, nothing is happening, you know? And, or would you just run away, not knowing what to do? Now, this problem is, doesn't just happen in Jackie Robinson's day. Um, 2,000 years ago, uh, Scripture actually talked about how two groups of people have been divided. And there seems to be a solution uh, that Scripture is talking about, a way out that Scripture is talking about. And I want to tell you that solution is quite simple. One plus two equals one. One plus two equals one. Now, you might be wondering what's going on. But as you listen to Scripture, I want you to keep this formula, this mathematical equation in mind. See if you can pick out the, where the ones, what, where the two is and where the one, <laughs> ones are. Let's hear. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. So scripture was just read to you. One plus two equals one. Let me unpack a little bit what Scripture was talking about there. Uh, if you were paying attention, uh, there are two groups of people there. Um, there are the Jews and the Gentiles. And Scripture kept on talking about Jesus making the two groups one. And those are the two groups that uh, the, the writer, Paul, was talking about. Jews uh, considered themselves chosen people of God. They know God's law. They follow it to the T, and they know God. And God intend to bless nations, many nations, through the Jews. And yes, there is an other, yet there is another group called non-Jews, uh, Gentiles. Basically, that means everybody who is not a Jew, okay? These people are of a different race. They probably dress differently. They eat a different kind of food. They speak different languages. Uh, they're not of Jewish descent. And because of that, Scripture says that there was a wall of hostility. There's like a lot of hatred between the group. And so let me unpack what this formula is talking about. The way out in the gospel narrative, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, was that there was one right here. There's one. This first one is Jesus himself. And Jesus in scripture says that he went on the cross with his body, giving himself to these two groups of people, basically making a sacrifice. And by that, he tore down the wall of hostility. The wall just came down like that by the work of Jesus. So it is the most amazing thing that 2000 years ago, God has already see this issue. And Jesus himself came to tear it down. Um, 
what about the two? What, what is the two that we're talking about here? The two, obviously, is the two, is, uh, the two groups, the Jews and the non-Jews. The early church had to deal with this issue of how to coexist together. And in fact, whether it's Jews or non-Jews, they had to learn because of what Jesus had done, tearing down the wall, showing them that uh, God is love. That is the way to coexist. All of the Jesus followers, the early church had to learn, had to learn to love one another, had to learn to take care of one another. There are um, historic accounts that says that the Christians, the early days Christians took care of people who are sick, took care of uh, widows uh, and orphans, people that are different than they are. And as a result, that's why uh, the church actually spread from Jerusalem to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that is sort of in the, at the crux of the gospel message. But if you fast forward today, or even in Jackie Robinson's time, the two represents people who are two sides, uh, either side of the wall. Jackie Robinson is on one side. You might be wondering, if you have been staying with this story, you might be wondering how on earth did Jackie Robinson just walked into the major, major league baseball and decide to play ball along with all of the white, white players. In fact, it's not just one person, Jackie Robinson on one side of the wall, there is actually an other uh, player in the game and his name is Branch Rickey. This is Branch Rickey. And who is Branch Rickey? This is actually a beautiful picture of them taken together, okay? Branch Rickey was the team president and he was also the general manager of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Now there's something special about Branch is that he believes that white players should be playing with black players. They should not be playing separately. Now guess where he uh, got all, all these ideas from? It turns out that Branch uh, is a Jesus follower and he understands from his knowledge of God and through scripture, he understands that God doesn't want this sort of racial tension or, or separating people because, simply because of their skin color. God loves everybody. So in Branch's mind, he was slowly working up a plan and he wants to introduce a black player into uh, MLB. This player has to be, well, he has to be a black player. He also has to be a good, super good ball player. He can't just be anybody, right? Um, not only that, he is also looking for someone who has the, the moral strength or mental fortitude. That's strength because there's going to be a lot of abuse that comes uh, to this player's way. And so he's looking for that, but not only that, he also is looking for someone who has deep faith in Jesus, deep faith in God, a Jesus follower. And out of God's provision, he found Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson, he came, from, um, he came from a place where he wasn't really going to church. But during his teenage years, Jackie Robinson met a pastor. His name is Carl Downs. And Carl Downs had a, a huge influence on uh, Jackie Robinson's uh, spiritual growth, his faith. Uh, he invited him to, to come to church. He asked him to stop hanging out with, with gang members just to kind of, you know, live a, 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 a life that is pleasing to God. So Jackie Robinson's faith grew and grew under, under uh, Carl Downs' uh, coaching. And um, so when the opportunity 
came when Branch actually called up uh, Jackie Robinson uh, to, to talk about this whole uh, inviting him into the team and all of that. Um, Jackie Robinson took the opportunity. So the first meeting that they ever uh, uh, had was in Branch's office. And so Branch was preparing uh, Jackie Robinson. He was saying, what are you going to do in these different scenarios where when you're about to, to, to step up to the plate and, and bat, someone tells you to yell at you and, and, and tell you to go back to where you came from? How are you going to react? Uh, what happens if they called you names? How are you going to react? And he goes on and um, they read the Sermon on the Mount, which is a famous sermon by Jesus, um, simply to go through what Jesus really cared about, that the love of God is for everyone. And so you, see, you can see how important Branch uh, is to Jackie as well, that they forged this relationship to Jesus' followers coming together to take down the wall. And that is the two in this equation. Now, because of what Jackie Robinson and Branch Ricky did from both sides of the wall coming together, their faith in Jesus, remember that there is still this one plus two, right? This one is Jesus, their faith in, in Jesus, um, that now uh, the wall is down and the white players and the black players are now playing together. So the early church 2,000 years ago had to do that, the Jews and the non-Jews. They had to learn because of what Jesus had done. The walls are down. They have to learn to love each other now. And then 70 years ago, Jackie Robinson and Branch Rickey, because of what Jesus had done, they had to, they had to now learn to love each other as well. Now they, they were about to do something big, right? So the question is, you know where I'm going with this. The question is, what about today? What about now? The wall of uh, racism, the barrier of racism, it's still happening today. If you don't know this person, his name is Colin Kaepernick. In 2016, he decided to kneel during the American National Anthem at a football game. Actually, he, he sat down first and then he started kneeling. When he was interviewed, he said, uh, you know, why he did that. He says, I just want to speak up against the police brutality against black people. And it's now four years later, Colin Kaepernick has not played a football game since because no team hires him. You can actually lose your job simply by speaking up against unfair and unjust realities. It's still happening in 2020. So what are we to do when we look at the whole issue? I would like to suggest that we do three things. Now, let me just back, back take a step back. Um, because if you're like me, sometimes uh, you might not know what to do. I was raised in a culture that's predominantly Chinese. And the values of Chinese are obedience and submission. So you basically obey what the teachers, what the elders, what your parents say, and you submit yourself to them. Now, that's beautiful. That is actually a good thing. But the downside is I never learned to speak up when things are not going right. So in this situation, even with pre in preparing this, this sermon, this message, God has been just speaking to me as well. I'm wrestling through it. What am I to do? 
I need to do something about this. What is my role in this? So here are a, a few steps. I would suggest that you can start small. Now, what I mean by that is know where, which side you're on uh, when, the wall, when, when you're up against the wall. If you're like Jackie Robinson, maybe you have been oppressed. You have, uh, because you, uh, maybe you have been um, mistreated because of the color of your skin or for other reasons. Know which side you're on. For Jackie Robinson, his playing field was the ball game. He got really good at it. He got super good at it until people started listening to what he had to say. And he started actually speaking up at one point about the, uh, he was part of the civil rights movement. And he learned to hold back and not to act out in violence. So start small. If you find yourself being oppressed, don't fight back through violence, but rather ask yourself this, what playing field has God placed you in? Now, maybe you're good with writing. Maybe you're good with, with drama, music. Maybe you're, you play drums. Maybe you, you write stories or maybe you cook very well. Maybe you're good with numbers and, or computers. Maybe you work with people really, really well. What is that playing field? Start asking God to show you uh, the playing field that he has put you in and begin to hone your skills there and refrain from fighting back through violence. And wait for that opportunity uh, to, to speak up against this. But meanwhile, keep on playing uh, in that playing field that God has played you, uh, uh, placed you in. If you are more like a branch, Ricky, where there's already a lot of resources, you're on the other side of the wall, where you have a lot of resources. And, and where you're inside the wall looking out, there's people that are kept apart, not being able to come in. What Branch did was that he said, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call this player. I'm going to call this, I'm going to let him in. You know, uh, kids love to play in playground. Maybe at September, <laughs> I don't know if you will get to play in the play playground, kids. I don't know at all. But next time when you do play, and if you do have several friends around you and you see someone wanting to play with you, perhaps what you can do is to invite them in, invite her in and say, we can play together. Start small. It doesn't have to be huge, but one step at a time, um, we'll get there. The next thing is to pray big. It's to get on our knees. Basically get on our knees and ask God to tear down walls. Ask God to help you to be part of the movement to tear down these walls. Uh, it's a bold prayer. Um, it, takes a, it takes a lot of fortitude to say, God, put me into this movement. I want to I work alongside you. So pray big. And it will also require you to listen as you pray. The opportunities and the doors that God will be open, opening for you or shutting, um, listen to him. Lastly, look to Jesus. Look, Jesus came to save us. He tore down the wall. We couldn't have done it. Jesus had to do it. And he had to say to two different groups of people, you, you hate each other so much. I'm going to tell you how it's going to work. It doesn't really matter what you think is right or wrong. I'll tell you what is the right thing to do in this situation is to give you my life. 
is to sacrifice for you on the cross to tell you that God loves not just your group. God doesn't just love the other group, but God loves both groups. And he wants both groups to come together. And Jesus went on the cross. And that's why repeatedly scripture today says, Jesus is our peace. Because of this peace, he put to death the hostility. So we don't hate each other anymore. Jesus' followers, especially the church, has to be the first one to do this because we are followers of Jesus. Seeing that Jesus has already blazed the trail, people like Jackie Robinson, along with the help of Branch Wiki, or the early church, my question today is, what are you going to do about it? The legacy that Jackie Robinson left behind um, is that now April 15th, it's marked as Jackie Robinson's day. All the players that plays that uh, memorial game will be wearing just the number 42. No names on the back of their shirt. It's almost like a sign of uh, unity and solidarity to show that they're all together. Um, and this is the impact of Jackie Robinson. And the 20 years that followed, uh, Jackie Robinson walked into that stadium playing that first ball game in 1947, April 15, is that the MLB began to integrate. What that means is black players now are allowed to play with white, white players. Schools that used to be segregated has been, have been outlawed. They're not allowed anymore. Schools now have black students and white students together. And the civil, right, uh, civil rights acts have been signed. And there are many things. It was like an avalanche that could be traced back to what Jackie Robinson did in 1947 when he walked into that stadium. So my prayer is that you'll be blessed by this message today and, and, and that this, this question of what, you, what are you going to do about it? Well, you will continue to think about this. So as the worship team comes up to sing this song, I want you to think about, use the time to think about this song that talks about Jesus going out to look for that one sheep and bringing that sheep back into the fold where the community is happening. So if you find yourself alone, Jesus is looking for you. If you find yourself inside this community, Jesus is urging you and comp compelling you to go out to look for that one.